Hey, everybody, Vicki Fitch here, your direct sales expert, coming to you live from sunny Southern California. Super excited that you guys are here. I know we are um, working through some of our tech stuff. I want to make sure you guys can see and hear me. So those of you that are in the chat box, would you guys do me a favor and put a one in the chat box so we can check out and make sure we got our audio and, and visual going? Um, I want to introduce my guest to you in a minute, but you guys know that this is Vicki Fitch Live, A Fresh Perspective. On the first Wednesday of the month, though, what do we do? Evict the bully in your head. I have a new book coming out called the victimable in your head and I bring guests on that share with you the things they've gone through of trials and tragedy and they've turned them into triumph. So let's just introduce you a little bit to this guest who's like a major superstar. Hillary Silver is a relationship expert and master love and empowerment coach. Doesn't that like get you all excited right there? She's the creator of a lifestyle brand called Hot, Healthy and Happily Ever After, which teaches women how to be powerful, feminine and sexy and to keep their love and passion alive for the long term. Like I'm getting a little hot and bothered right now just thinking about it. <laughs> she has 15 years of experience as a life couple therapist. She's worked with thousands of clients on issues such as launching healthy relationships, communication, conflict, infidelity, intimacy, sex, and lasting passion. She tells it like it is, but you guys know I love that because that's the same way I am. She's got a no-nonsense style, which allows her to deliver common sense strategies and practical tools while being refreshingly authentic. I love this girl. Don't you love this bio? Because this is so cool, right? She's been featured in Time, Men's Fitness, Women's Health, Martha Stewart, Weddings, Cosmopolitan, Womanista, and just to name a few. So let me just stop ranting around and tell you about my guest, Hillary Silver. Welcome to the broadcast, Hillary. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, Vicki. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. I don't know what's going on with our little box over there, why it's not showing us like when we're on or not, but you just trust me. I'm going to kind of guide you through this process. I can see your adorable face over here. And uh, for those of you guys who are listening on the podcast, we really do appreciate you guys. We know you have lots of opportunities um, to, you know, look for and listen to different things. So we really appreciate the fact that you're here. So let's see, we got Adam. I see Doc Muscles is in the house, I believe. Wait, yeah, I think it's, and Rob, Rob's in the house. You guys are awesome. Adam says sex and lasting passion. There's a difference, right? And so, <laughs> and so Tim McVeigh is also here. Very, very excited to have you guys here. So Hillary, I always like to start with like a a question of the day. And, you know, I just wonder, how did you get into, um, you know, being a therapist? Like, what is it that inspired you to be a therapist? And then we're going to wrap a lot of the other conversation around it. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's not an easy question or short, you know, (laughs) it's my it's my life's purpose. So, you know, there's always a story behind it. Right. I was kind of a lonely child. I didn't have a lot of attention from my parents and I struggled with my own self-worth. And so my behavior got in the way of connecting. Um, and I found myself without knowing it at the time, like I really wanted authentic relationships. I wasn't good at playing and faking it. And so I just, you know, during the teen years, I mean, I just struggled because I just wanted realness. And, um, and so I just, you know, I had friends and boyfriends, but it was really nothing meaningful. Mm. And, um, and so, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'll skip through all of the, I don't want to bore you with all of that, but it wasn't until I was about to graduate college that I kind of woke up and had this awakening. Mm-hmm. And it was really a class that I took that I, I still have the book from 25 years ago on the floor of my office here, just wow. when I because it really like, it taught me, it was called loving relationships. And it just taught me at 19 years old, what healthy relationship with self is all about and with your lovers and with your friends and with your communities and with your enemies. And really that was the beginning of my career, but I didn't know it yet. 
So it wasn't until I was 27 years old that I actually went to grad school to be a therapist. Wow. So that yeah. there's going we're going to get to dive a lot deeper into that, but that I think that that kind of shows us, you know, where we're going and that's kind of why I wanted to drop that cuz I got that impression from some of the stuff that I've read. Now you and I have actually never met in person and we actually have never had an actual conversation. We've had we've messaged back and forth, right? But we've never actually talked which Sometimes I find is the most fun when I'm interviewing somebody because it's a, a true, authentic, immediate connection. You can, people can see whether or not you're catching the vibe with your, your guest or, you know, if they don't even know each other. So I really do appreciate you being willing to, you know, be open enough to allow us to just start kind of digging around in your life so you can inspire so many people. And I, I really do appreciate that. So thank you for being here. Okay. And, um, so let's see. I see Marsha's in the house. Zach Hoffman is here. Tim McVeigh is in the house. Uh, Al Adam is here. Loving relationships with enemies. There's a concept, Al Adam says. So there is so much good stuff. If you guys would do me a favor, if you've ever had a fight with somebody in your entire life, I want you to share this out. Okay. Because you and I both know you have. And we also know coming up with new ways of understanding why we do what we do and how to do it differently is a really, really great uh, opportunity. Plus, we know we all have a bully in our head. Mm -hmm. So since this is a victim bully in your head, let me share with you what that really means for those of you who are new or maybe you're listening to the podcast for the first time. Uh, I wrote it. I wrote a book. It's I'm not quite finished with it yet. We're dialing in because I've actually created a sequel already. So I'm pushing some content over into the second book, but it's called a victim bully in your head. And it's a reminder that there's always a bully in our head that tells us we're not good enough, smart enough, strong enough, whatever it is. And so what we try and do is offer you a place to remember that 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 bully came in as a little itty bitty baby, right? We clothed it, we fed it, we nurtured it, we gave it all that it needed to grow up into this big bulky thing. But we also have the opportunity to evict the bully in our head. And and you might think the story, uh, the way it comes down, you guys will get to check it out soon, but it might not be exactly what you think, but you will be able to change your life. And so we have people here like Hillary that are going to share their story of how they've evicted the bully and how that has actually changed their life. So now that we kind of go in that, I want to talk a little bit about a support system and then just pop up a quick graphic so then we can dive in. Because on this show, we try not to break the content up too much with our sponsors will tuck at the end and stuff like that. But we want to make sure you guys understand community. And right, I have a uh, and the Entrepreneurial Rockstars group. And what we try and do is provide a, a place for people to go, especially as entrepreneurs. You don't have to be a business owner. But this is a safe place for you to be. And the Rockstar of the Week is something we allow. At, go to vickypitch.com slash freebies. We allow a person to come on the broadcast, introduce your business and do a little cameo appearance so people can get to know a little bit about you and who you are. So we can help you build a community of safe people, people that aren't going to troll you, that aren't going to make fun of you, that are going to support you and be part of your tribe. So thank you guys so much. And again, vickyfitch.com slash freebies. All right. Now let's get back to you. Tell me about growing up. Because I know for me and the bully in our heads, we are a product of our own environment. And it does kind of, it does start to grow, right? It starts out somewhere when we're younger, someone says something. And it doesn't mean it's all their fault, but it means it starts somewhere. So tell me about your growing up, Hillary. Yeah, well, um, my dad traveled all the time for work. So he was gone Monday through Friday. And um, I think my mom was just overwhelmed or, you know, I don't have a lot of specific memories. I just have a memory of her absence, basically. I remember being alone a lot. Um, and I and and so they had their own stuff. Both my parents had their own kind of traumatic experiences growing up. Um, so this isn't about blame, really. This is 
this is about understanding from me, like owning my part in that. And so, you know, I really just translated that lack of attention mm-hmm. into there's something wrong with me and there's something wrong with us. Like mm-hmm. I, I was an observant kid and I would look around and I would see what, and you know, I, I looked around and I saw what I thought I saw, right. you know, with other families and with other kids. And, um, I just, you know, I was different. I was wrong. I was defective. Something was bad about me. And I just internalized all of that. Um, and I, you know, I still, you know, fight that when I, um, like when something comes up and I want to say, I remember this experience growing up when my mom did this or did, didn't do this for me. Mm. You know, I, I have to fight not going back to that place sometimes still because those were significant experiences for me growing up, like being left alone or being, you know, held out or not having somebody there for me. So my early messages, you know, that I twisted and turned in my own way were that I'm alone Mm -hmm. and that, um, the world is not, nobody's going to be there to get your back. Right. Kind of got to do things for yourself. Right. And so, yeah, that was, you know, I have a younger brother and we had no real relationship either. Mm. Um, and it hurt, right? I mean, it was just lonely. It really yeah. just felt, you know, like no one was all that interested in me. No one was really asking me, so hell, what do you want to do? Right. What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What's yeah. important to you? What do you want to do? My mom's favorite thing was, well, what's everyone else doing? you know, follow, follow. Right. right. Um, so that was, you know, just being taught to just be anonymous, right? Uh, to go with the flow. And to I be think anonymous. that right there is really critical. What you just said, being taught to be anonymous, mm-hmm. right? That I'm the wallflower. I just need to fade in, let, you know, and just get in the line and, and follow what other people are doing. Because otherwise, maybe if I stand out, I might not be good enough. People might say something. They might catch a glimpse of the real me. And what if they don't like me? What if they reject me? What if they don't think I'm good enough? What if they, you know, I'm not a good enough dancer or singer, or, you know, I'm not cool enough, or maybe I'm gawky. Let's face it. Teen years are challenging, right? I mean, like preteens, even worse. We don't even know what to do with these limbs as they're growing. (laughs) Or really it was just that they would discover that something's wrong with me. They would get, if they got close enough, they would discover what I knew was bad. Mm. Right. So when you say bad and this is because this is really important and I know you've come through a lot of things and we will definitely bring this back around. So those of you guys, if you haven't seen the show or listened to the show before, remember this is we're going to talk about trials and tragedies and, and how we turn them into triumph. So you got to keep listening to the show. We are not going to leave you in a valley. We are going to bring you through this, but we are going to get in the trenches because the trenches is where people experience hope. Because if you are out there right now and you feel lost and you feel alone and you feel lonely and you feel like somebody, you know, you feel like a fraud. Like if somebody finds out who you really are, that they won't like you or won't appreciate you, then you need to be here today, especially as you hear how, how, how Hillary has changed her life. And yet she still has that bully. Bullies are that don't make you wrong. They don't make you bad. They are just part of who you are. And so again, Hillary, thank you so much for sharing because loneliness is one of the the biggest things that people seek out. And when you say that, I always say, if somebody gets me, it's like, that's the best gift in the world. Like if somebody just gets me, because I feel that way sometimes too, you know, it was like, nobody gets me. (laughs) 
What about you? Right. Yeah. And, And as an entrepreneur too, and women business owners and people that excel in their industry, sometimes you are alone. You're lonely because you don't have peers that are in the same place you are. Yeah. So what about you? So you said you and your brother weren't very close. Have you, um, was, did your brother have those same feelings or did he maybe, uh, did he manifest things in a different way? Like maybe by overcompensating or posturing or. I think that we just had really different experiences in our household. And I was able to have one conversation with my mom just once right after my dad died. Um, and, and she just said to me, I just felt like I didn't have to worry about you. So I didn't give you the, you know, like you were fine. Mm. And so my brother got a whole lot more attention than I did. And so his experiences are just very different. And it's, I always find it really fascinating that siblings can have such a dramatic, different, dramatically different experience in the same family Mm -hmm. because of their birth order, Mm -hmm. because the parents are older when they have the second child or they're less anxious or they're more confident or their marriage is in a better place or whatever growth that the parents have had mm-hmm. when they're raising the second child or the third child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody just has a different experience. Right. Listen, we were born the way we're born. Like I have a six and a nine year old and they could not have come out any different <laughs> as infants. They were different. My mm-hmm. son was not a snuggler. He was not. And so I remember when he was three months old, he got sick and he fell asleep on my chest. And I was like, oh, I wish you get sick more often so I could snuggle with him. And my, he just never wanted to do that. And my daughter came out hugging like did. So I just think we come out into the world the way that we do. Right. And our environment affects us. Right. And, and, and so and how who we are and who we're born as affect how our parents parent us. Right. Well, you know, I think that that's absolutely true. And I know what you mean by, you know, my, my first son, we always used to snuggle together. My second son actually has Asperger's, but we didn't know it at the time. And Asperger's is not, you know, they don't like the snuggle. They don't, you know, for me to get a hug from my son is like, wow. Right. I mean, he does a lean. He'll do a lean with a, with a, with a, a you know, a chin. <laughs> he doesn't embrace that his arm. so hard for you before yeah. you discovered that. Yeah. It was. And he could never look me in the eyes. Like I literally had to practice with him like this because even if it was uncomfortable for him, I knew as for society for later on, he would have to learn. Like I didn't know he had Asperger's, but I knew there was something that was different. And I used to tell the doctor all the time and he kept saying, now, mama, you're just worrying. Now, you know, and it's like as moms, we do know, we do know. And it wasn't until, you know, he uh, wasn't until a few years ago that it was an official diagnosis where things really started to unravel and um you know that i insisted and we got some testing done and he's you know he's the most amazing guy in the world but he's very quirky he's very uh black and white he's very you know if you tell him afternoon at 1201 he's looking for whatever it is you promised him afternoon so we learn different things like like you were just saying children are different, right? And so if our parents don't know how to deal with us or they are, cause they, I always say they're a product of their own environment too. What, whatever their parents did to them or the way they reacted, that is what happened. And that was the transition that went on and that's what affects us. And so somebody has to stop that cycle and, and start evicting the bullies earlier and earlier. And it sounds like you have chosen to make sure that there's not a bully that is getting, you know, that is going to the little bitty baby that's going into your daughter and your son's life that is going to grow up to be a monster where they feel overwhelmed that they aren't good enough. And I actually, I believe that as humans, we're all 
hardwired to believe that we're not good enough mm. and that it's our life's purpose to discover that we are. Mm. That's our, that's why we're here. And so I don't care what kind of parenting you've had. If you've had really great parenting, you're still going to have that, that hot button trigger. I'm For not sure. enough. We all have that no matter what we, what do in the most perfect parenting environment ever. I just believe that we are, we are, that's the way we are as humans. And yeah. some of us in our experiences, it's just worse. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that there's a lot of fear. I mean, growing up, there's fear of being accepted, of people wanting to be around us. So for sure, I just think that maybe there's a, a level of like, if you've been emotionally beat up your entire childhood, I think it's a little bit more difficult than somebody who's just dealing with the, the awkwardness and, and like you said, trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. And, and when you can blend those two things together, that's what I think makes a, a, you know, makes a beautiful story and gives people hope because I know, and I see, um, your relentless Raymond is in the house. Um, you know, I see, let's see, Melanie Weiser's here, Mia Chapa is here, Rob is here. You guys are really awesome. And thank you for being here. If you guys haven't shared, out the broadcast yet if you do me a favor because i know that you guys know people that are struggling and i know that you know people that that need a little pick me up they need some hope they need some inspiration so again if you're finding value here or you're a regular watcher share the broadcast out and those of you guys who have downloaded it on itunes stitcher again we really do appreciate you i hope that you will go see episode 14 of vicky fitch live a victim bully in your head uh either on vickyfitch.com on the vicky fitch live page you can see it on youtube we also have it here on facebook at facebook com slash Vicky Pitch One. So definitely go and check out. You'll start to see the emotions on faces. Like Hillary told you earlier, she wanted to connect with people. And so this is an opportunity for you to connect with who she is. Okay. So Hillary, let's, you know, where do you think that pain came from? Like, where do you think, I know you said you were lonely, but usually there is some kind of trigger and especially someone that's done as much therapy or counseling or, or, who is a counselor would be able to kind of introspectively look, where do you think, can you, if you were able to kind of dig around, do you, do you see some catalyst or some place where some of that started? I think that there was a series. It was just a chronic exposure to much of the same. So there were themes and patterns. And so my dad not being there um, and being critical of me and, and pointing out things that he didn't like about me that I saw in him. I rem- I just, I remember being trapped in my own head. Like I had a voice, but I wasn't using it. And I remember thinking to myself a couple of times, well, look who's talking, right. <laughs> you know, and, and, um, you know, my mom, like, I remember one story, we were going to a play date mm-hmm. right at her friend's house. And, and, um, when we got there, I didn't want to be there. I didn't like the girl that we were going to hang out with, Ouch. but I didn't, it, you know, I didn't, she didn't, acknowledge that we went anyway. Mm. And when we got there, she said something like, well, I don't know why she's in a bad mood today. And, you know, instead of <sighs> on my side, so mm. I just, she didn't have my back. And yeah. so it was like again and again and again and again. So there are lots of those little moments that if it was one time, right. it wouldn't have done a whole lot of damage, right. but it was, uh, it was repeated again and again. And so the message was, you know, I just made this, this key decision in my mind that it must be me. There's Mm -hmm. something wrong with me. And Mm -hmm. I remember walking down, like I said, it was in, in, an undergrad that last year, walking down the street, deciding one day, I'm going to just, I'm going to figure out what's wrong with me. Something's Mm -hmm. wrong. And I'm going to figure out what's wrong with me. And that was the beginning of my journey you know, self-help books and all that stuff when I was 19. And then I found that class. Mm. So um, really, it was up until that point, like 
boyfriends. I just phoned it in. Mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah. really being me. Well, you know, I, I'd like to, to move around in that space a little bit because I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know my dad was in the military and so he was around and then he wasn't around. We moved and different things, but my dad was always emotionally unavailable. And so I found myself as a young girl seeking out the attention of, of boys or men, you know, mostly older guys because I was pretty, pretty witty, pretty smart girl. And I think you were the same way. Did you find that that was um, a place for you to direct your attention so you could try and fill that need or fill the void? Yeah. And I think that's pretty typical. I think that when girls don't get attention from dad, mm-hmm. they go looking for that love in all the wrong ways. And so mm-hmm. I deal actually a lot of my clients are struggling with making peace with their sexual past because mm-hmm. they, they really they were, you know, gone through promiscuous periods and they just feel deep shame mm-hmm. about it. And so mm-hmm. it's preventing them from really just letting go and being okay in the in the present. So, and I did I, in high school, for sure. I went through all of that too. I just wanted somebody to love me. I wanted somebody to right. see me and right. give me attention. And girls are socialized to use their bodies to get that attention. Mm. And, if, and if you, if, if a boy isn't interested in you, then you're not worthy as, as the girls that are getting right. that attention from boys. And I remember feeling like, the girls that had all the daddy attention were like princessy and they got the good boy boyfriends. I got the bad boy boyfriends. Did you feel that you were seeking out when you say the bad boys? Like, are we talking about the cool bad boys that were jerks, but everybody thought they were cool? Or are you talking about the bad boys? The ones that were just, they were just plain mean, but you know, there's, there could be both, but were they just plain mean that you were choosing Not the wrong ones? Mean in terms of jerks, uh, bad boy in terms of drugs and um, yeah. I did all kinds of stuff. I lived large before I even got to college. I had done all kinds of drugs. Seriously, sex, mm-hmm. drugs, rock and roll was the name of the game before I even got to college. A couple and, years. and what? For a couple of years mm-hmm. before I got to college. Mm-hmm. So as you look at that, see, and I, cause I know that there are people here and they have children that are in that teenage. I know that there's people that are watching and listening that are saying, Oh my gosh, you know, I was that person or my daughter is going through that or, or, you know, we're talking about girls, but what about boys? I'm watching my son try and fill these shoes of these other people. You know, what, why are they doing that? Like, what is the catalyst that's, that's changing? And that, cause as we, you know, we kind of mix this piece in here where we're talking about your story. Let's blend in a little bit about your counseling skills, you know, where you can share and give a little hope here before we dive a little deeper and share some more, um, you know, some more depth of the story so people can really understand where you're coming from and why you have so much valuable information to share. Yeah. So I'm sorry. What, what's your question? Is yeah. It's it very roundabout, right? Like <laughs> the, there's boys too that are boys are involved in this too. And and what's happening on that side of, is, is it again, the opposite sex parent that are, that's creating that rift where then the boys are trying to seek out other things too, or what is it that's happening there that's causing, you know, um, that's causing the male portion of, or the male species to do that same thing. Cause we were talking about the women and how they have, they sometimes they have issues with their fathers. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim to be an expert in that area at all. Um, but I would just say, 
um, that I think that boys, there's boys are socialized to not have feelings and to be cool. Mm. And sometimes that's, you know, they have to be jerky or they can't be sensitive and we shut them down when they feel things, mm-hmm. you know, so they have to be tough. They can't cry. And so I, I think they, those are the messages that the boys get. Mm-hmm. Or right. the more girls you have, the better you are, or whatever. And it's all messed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just all messed up. It is. It's challenging. And that's that's one of the reasons we do the shows, right? Is that we can say, hey, it's okay. You can get through this and you will get through this because, you know, identifying who you are as a person, you know, I, I told we have a victim bully in your head. The, the sequel to that is called Own It, How to Step Up and Stand Out. Because let's face it, we're all going through that. We're all going through the struggle of who are we and do we conform to other people so we fit in? Or do we step up and stand out and find our tribe, find the people that will find us and take, you know, maybe some of the ridicule or some of the stuff that's going on because it's hard and nobody wants to do it. Nobody feels strong enough. And we're trying to give them an arsenal of, of information and and people to connect with so they don't feel like they have to conform because, you know, you shared with the sex, drugs and rock and roll. Even though there's a part of you that was trying to connect with the male figures, there's also, wouldn't you say there's also a conformity piece that says, I just want to be accepted. And this is what this group is doing. And this is kind of where I'm at. No, did you feel that? Did you, did you experience any of that? I don't know necessarily that I was conforming so much. I was actually rebelling against you know, this certain, you know, it's all clicky in certain high schools. And so mm-hmm. I just never felt like I fit in any one place. I just bounced around, which still, again, made me feel lonely and that I didn't belong anywhere because mm-hmm. this, there was, this group didn't work for me and that group didn't work for me. And, and I'm still not a group person. I don't have a group. I never have. It's like I meet great people wherever I go and I pluck them out and then they're my group. We don't know each other. I, they, I pluck them out. I love that. <laughs> um, I just so I don't know about conformity, but there were times within when I was within, you know, each group that I would kind of just go with the flow mm-hmm. a little bit. And yeah. it was mostly holding people at a distance. Um, you know, don't, you know, hang out and spend a lot of time, but don't really tell them what you really think. Right. You know, don't really share your real thoughts or don't really, you know, um, share an opinion that might be different. It was right. a lot of pleasing behavior. Right. Don't be vulnerable and, and expose who you really are because that gives people a chance to judge. Right. You keep the little shield up. The one that says I'm all good. You know, I call those the intimacy bubbles, right? That we have these intimacy bubbles. And when we let people in the wrong ones, we let them in too close. Then all of a sudden their opinion matters much more than it ought to. And, and it starts to adjust how we act and react to things. You know, I see Adam here wrote boys express feelings physically. And we now live in a world in which physical expression of feeling and energy is supposed by society. So that's kind of a, um, you know, deep thought. And Alan's, uh, Adam's asking you if you're an ENTJ. <laughs> um, I can't remember. I've done, I've done that in so long and it's not like imprinted in my mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. People ask me all the time. I should probably go back and, and check, check it, but I don't remember. It's not okay. funny. That's okay. I think that they kind of, they're catching your vibe anyway. And then Melanie says she can totally identify with that. You know, so, you know, you're really catching, um, you know, some of the people here are really understanding who you are and what you went through. And, you know, when we have a, a, a lack of self-worth, um, 
it can put us in a place of depression. It can put us in a place where people feel suicidal or they feel so discouraged that they don't even want to leave the house or they don't want to, to connect with other people at all. Did you find yourself in, in those kind of circumstances? What, what level, what depth did you feel like you went to? Um, well, so I never was, I would, I would say that there's a word called dysthymia that is no longer being used in, in the DSM four, which is, you know, now it's DSM five and that word and that diagnosis has been nixed. It's gone. But we used it for so long. And that means like low grade depression. So Mm -hmm. people who just feel look flat or people who are, um, who are, who are just kind of hody hum, you know, kind of, I don't know, right. Low grade depression. So you're still functioning. You're just not happy. Right. There's no joy. They're just kind of at an even keel, right? Existing. But Mm -hmm. I went, you know, my first freshman year of college. Um, this is kind of an interesting little detour. I don't even really talk about it because it's so, I don't know. I, I went to, to my, neither of my parents went to, um, went to four-year college and had a college degree. They just did associates, I think. And, um, and so when I was going to college, I didn't have anybody helping me figure out how to pick a school. Mm. And I picked Florida because that's where we had gone on vacation a couple of times. Right. That's why I picked the college that I went to and I wanted, but I wanted to get the F out of where I was. And I was like, I'm out of here. You all suck. Get away from me. I'm going as far as I can. And in that first year, um, the murders happened on the campus of Florida. I don't know if you guys remember that, but people were getting decapitated and it was really scary. And, and, um, there was all kinds of weird stuff that whole year. Um, and I definitely hit a depression then, but I think that's, I think, you know, what I've come to call it is identity disorientation. Okay. Whenever you're going through something traumatic in your life or a huge change and you see, you kind of lose a sense of who you are. Cause even though I wasn't showing up as my full self in my life before, mm-hmm. I was still surrounded by a community of people who were reminding me who I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And now I'm far, far, far away. And I don't have those people and I'm looking around and there's like this whole new hippie, like, you know, I mean, it was just like huge school, um, huge campus. And I just kind of got lost. And I was, I, I mean, I nearly failed out. I was smoking pot every single day and not going to class. And, you know, so luckily, and, and I was very, very depressed, but I transferred and went back um, closer to home and went to KU from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I almost got straight A's when I got there. I mean, I came right out of it. Sure. Um, it was just, um, I don't know if that was just part of being a freshman in college and not being ready for it. I was 17 when I went to college, right. uh, a late birthday. I mean, it's a lot of things, but I think that was all part of the the journey going on here. Yeah. Right. It was like the rock bottom for me, for sure. Well, and I'm looking at here, um, Adam said that they still use that term that you were talking about, get, got removed in the medical world because he's a doctor. And, um, you know, Tim was talking about how that's like an Eeyore, you know, that Eeyore, you know, Eeyore kind of has that complaining spirit. And, and I always say that there's, I think we have this level, right? And that here's the baseline and we can only feel as much joy as we do pain. And so we numb ourselves out to the pain. And so we numb ourselves out to the joy and we can't excel past 
past there. We have to be, if we want to feel joy, we have to be able to feel the depths of the pain. And, mm-hmm. and I think that so many people choose now to numb themselves out with drugs, with alcohol, with sex, with gambling, with, you know, all these addictive things with food for sure. You know, is that, you know, they'll, they just dive in and, and I see so many people that will, you know, even the people that don't want food, right. They'll go into the binging and purging and they'll go into all kinds of self-destructive behavior. So, you know, it affects your self-worth. It starts to change what you think about yourself. When you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you've been smoking pot every day and your skin's starting to get dry and, you know, different stuff's going on, it does change your self-esteem. And then it just kind of drives you lower and lower. What do you think was, what was it that, that said to you, you know, did you have a moment that said, oh my gosh, Hillary, what are you doing? Or did you feel like it just, when you moved back or were you caught that, you know, you found a new tribe that you started transitioning? Well, I knew I needed to leave um, University of Florida because it just wasn't a good fit. I stayed there. I think a lot of people go to college and then end, end up transferring after that first year if they realize it's not a good fit. And um, so I, I think I rebounded a little bit with that. And I ended up kind of staying kind of in that hippie groove where I was still, you know, getting high and, and stuff, but I outgrew it. Mm-hmm. Like I just got, to, I just got to the point where I started to feel, um, this isn't who I am. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the way I feel when I do this. And I would still do it out of habit and then be mad at myself that I did it. I'd be like, why did I do that again? Right. You know? So right. I outgrew that um, pretty quickly. Right. You know, I mean, I've been smoking pot since I was what, 15. And then, you know, by the time I was probably, I would say 19 or 20, I was kind of over it and done with it. Okay. Um, but I'm telling you that day, that sunny day walking down campus, I, that was my moment where I just decided something's wrong with me when I'm going to figure it out. And, and it wasn't, you know, later on, I realized nothing's wrong with me. It's just the thought that I think that I'm, that something's wrong with me. That's the problem. But right. at that moment, it was, you know what? I'm going to start, I'm going to wake up. I'm not just going to keep living this. I'm going to take control here. Um, and so, you know, I've mentioned being anonymous. One of the things that I, and I can't remember, um, I keep looking down at the book cause it's on the floor here in that, in that book. Um, I, I was reading Eric from and Rollo May and John Powell. These are all the original grandfathers of psychotherapy and love, um, philosophy. And I was reading all that when I was 20 mm-hmm. and, um, the opposite of being anonymous is being autonomous. Mm-hmm. And that's what changed my life because that's when I decided I'm going to be me and I'm done playing games and I'm done doing what everybody wants me to do and being who everybody else wants me to be and playing this game. And I don't care if I piss people off. Mm-hmm. And really it was um, from then that everything changed. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And really quick, let's see. Um, Adam says there must be opposite in all things. I totally agree. And Jessica is in the house. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks for being here, you guys. And Marsha's here. Jessica says sometimes it's hard to get out of that depression. And I understand where people are coming from when it comes to that. You know, Jessica, you, I don't know if you're experiencing some depression on your own or you know other people that have, but I really appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share that because we, we really are trying to create hope. And then Marsha said they're only hurting themselves. And that's people are hurting themselves 
But we're hurting so badly inside that sometimes we're willing to accept unacceptable behavior to try and make ourselves feel better. And I, I, I see that so often, you know, that people are willing to accept unacceptable behavior. Sometimes it's about, it's from themselves. Sometimes it's from their peers or their teachers or, you know, society as a, as a whole. And, you know, they're not, they're not understanding that they're okay. You know, what you were saying, Hillary, I always call that the common denominator. When we start looking, you go, Oh my gosh, I'm the common denominator here. I'm the one, you know, my mom's saying this and my dad's saying this and my sister's saying this, and my brother's saying this. And it was like, Oh my gosh, there is like, okay, what's wrong with me? I got to get out, right? I need to get out of here to sell for self-preservation because I feel like I'm, I'm drowning or I'm dying here because nobody gets me. Nobody gets who I am. And so when you went out and then you said, I'm going to change this and you went through, cause you, you were kind of rebellious in the first place, but I see this cause I, I went through something similar on my own. I see this as the, the opposite rebellion is like, okay, I'm rebellious against like the world, like people leave me alone. But then now I'm rebellious because now I'm going to, I'm going to face what you guys are saying about me. I'm going to, and it's my shield. It's a new type of shield is, you know, that's the way I felt. I know what I went through that. And I decided to go through like, okay, this is who I am. And like, forget you. I don't care if you like me or you don't. And, but it wasn't from the confident position I have today where I say, Oh, if you don't like me, Hey, bye. Right. <laughs> Hit the X. Go away. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a process, and a lot of people do what you're saying, and and that is they do a 180, and then they become really rigid with their boundaries until mm-hmm. they start to realize they can relax and actually be flexible. Right. It's you're used to saying yes to everybody, and you don't want to be that way anymore. A lot of people will just start saying no, and they won't be. Um, they won't compromise, and it's their way or the highway, and they become really difficult to to deal with. Um, and so for me, the first major thing that I did to declare my autonomy was to pick anthropology as a major. And I remember my mom said, you're not going to get a job. What are you going anthropology? And I was like, because I like it, oh. you know? Okay. So, this is a G-rated show. You can't say that. So Stacey, make sure you bleep that out. Sorry about that, you guys. <laughs> I love you though, Hillary. Um, so, let's go ahead. So I was really... It was, I have to, I have to, this is what I want to do. And I don't care if you don't like it too bad. And then when I graduated college, instead of moving home, like a lot of people or um, getting a job, like everybody else doing something that you don't want to do and to getting your first credit card and your first apartment and your first car and taking on all the debt, I moved home to save money for like six months. And then I sold my car and I bought a one-way ticket to Italy and I backpacked through around the world for seven months by myself. And I remember my mom being like, you're going to get lost and you should go with somebody and da, 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 da. And, and I just said, if you don't stop being negative, I'm not going to share this with you and I'm going and you will know nothing about it. And that was my attitude. But at the for the longer that I was gone and you know going, oh, I'm in Nepal now, mom. Oh, I'm in India now, mom. I'm in, you know, okay. Asia. It was oh, look at my daughter's doing so cool, <laughs> right? She then she gets to live vicariously through you. So you know the fact that you were able to step up and stand out and say I'm doing this, like you know, and and then stand up for yourself. You found your voice. It sounds like to just say, you know what, this is who I am. I, you know, I, I, it is scary and yeah, there could be something happening, but I'm going to take that chance and I'm, I'm willing to risk it because I want to figure out who I am. I want to figure out, I want to find myself and I want to be really, um, you know, I, I, I want to be 
I want to be me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Being yourself. Yeah. Well, so- it's the most liberating thing. And, but I would say that it's still, you know, it's a process. You just don't decide that you're going to do that. And then you are, it's, it's, you decide that you're going to do something and then you have to practice. You have to grow into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a really good point too. I have to grow into it. I have to start, um, we have to start accepting who we are without the, um, you know, this, this air of what's the word, you know what I'm talking about where, you know, cause there's a, there's a place of that quiet confidence that comes in later when you really figure out who you are and you say, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't the best way to handle it. That wasn't the best way to handle it. And now I've married the two and now I get to be who I really am and my authentic self. Cause I don't, I don't care. I care about people, but I don't care about their judgment of me anymore because I've found my own tribe or I find them. Like you said, you pluck them out and they just become, it's not like you're, with a gaggle of people where you're, you know, where you run around in this group, you know, around town, you just have your peeps. And that's, I think that that's, um, especially with social media and live streaming, we've had an opportunity to know, like, and trust people so much quicker, just like the way you and I met, it gives us that opportunity to really find, you know, people that aren't in our own neighborhood, especially if you, you know, live in, live someplace that maybe feels completely inauthentic to who you are and you can't find other people that are like you. It, it would be really lonely there. This has given us a great opportunity, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Live streaming has changed my life. Just opens up opportunities for new people. And, you know, we're going to talk about the fact you have a podcast as well in a little bit. And that is, you know, because you still have your podcast, correct? actually decided uh, a couple months ago that I was going to stop doing the podcast so that I could focus on video instead. Oh, okay. I found myself like doing the same content twice a week, one for video and one for podcasts. And so I just decided actually to retire the podcast. Okay. Well, then we'll, we'll just retire it silently then. We'll have a moment of prayer right now for the podcast. That's (laughs) the episodes on my website because there's really good content there. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was fun while I did it. I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, you know, it gives you a good opportunity to, to build things. So, uh, you know, do you guys have any, I want to know if you guys have any questions. Um, Rob wrote in here, you know, girls just want to have fun. Adam wrote backpacking across Italy was an expression of executive function and cog, uh, and recognition of autonomy in the individual self. Or, or I think that's a question. Backpacking across Italy was expression of executive function and recognition of autonomy. Yeah, right. Autonomy for the individual self. He's asking a question. Uh, so I'm going to let you, we know, Stace, um, I'm going to let you answer that. It sounds like a statement. I don't hear it. It sounded like a statement, but there's a question mark at the end. That's why I read it. And then I was like, I read it again as a question because there's a question well, mark. I, you know, I mean, Adam, you're the doctor, right? So, you know, we don't have our full executive functioning until we're like 26, right? right? Front, frontal lobe isn't fully formed until then. So I was only 22 when I left to do that. And Mm -hmm. I probably made a lot of like really carefree choices that I wouldn't make now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I remember thinking, I'm not going to say it again. I'll say, I don't freaking care if I die because I'm living the dream. I'm on top of a bus, you know, on the way to the, through the Himalayas. If I die, I die. I don't care. But now I'm like, I would never do that. (laughs) And we don't want that for our children, right? It's like, you know, we want them to know who they, they are, but we don't want them to be in fear for their lives or doing it for the wrong reasons. And so I, I really like that about you. So when, when you, 
you went to college, you started reading, and then you went to for therapy, but right? Is that what your that was your original part? Although it, it sounds like there was a lot going on and then you started adding specialties in. So kind of take us on a little bit of that journey. So so when I was done with all my travels, I mean I've I was a vagabond traveler for a couple like for about five years and then I was wow. ready to settle down. I taught English in in Japan for a year, which I didn't really love, but I committed, so I stayed. Um, and then a lot of just kind of traveling around the States, trying to figure out what I, I was just not, didn't want to commit to something until I knew it was the right thing for me. Right. Um, so when I moved to Denver, I was almost 27. I met my husband about six months after I moved here. Aww. And, but before I met him, when I got here, I found a therapist that I was like, I'm going to continue to work on what's wrong with me. <laughs> like, what am I doing wrong? Broken. It was different. It was like, what? this time it wasn't what's wrong with me. It's what am I doing wrong? Gotcha. Like, there's clearly something that in my choices and in my behavior that's getting in the way because my pattern with men was I was always like interested in the guys that weren't interested in me. And the guys that I was not interested in were totally interested in me. And I was so like over that. And I would be out doing all these activities that I like to do, rock climbing and playing ultimate frisbee. It was an outdoorsy kind of girl and adventurous kind of girl. And um, I would meet these guys and they would be like, um, well, we should do something sometime. And then they wouldn't do anything else after that. So I would be like, okay, well, what should we do? Well, here's my number. Uh-huh. You know, and my so my pattern was to really pursue because I didn't think if I sat back and let the guy pursue me that he would. Gotcha. And so the pattern changed when I met my husband and I just said to my friends, um, and this was all self-worth work that I was doing with my therapist at the time. Okay. So if he can't ask me for my phone number, then he doesn't get to have it. And if he can't ask me out on a date, then he doesn't get to go out with me. Those were my rules. And, and if, and so I was no longer going to be asking. And the first thing that my husband said when we met was, well, are you dating anybody? And when I said, no, he said, well, you should date me. (laughs) (laughs) And that was that. And, um, and so, yeah, so the therapy during that period of time was, was really impactful and significant. And I knew from that experience, plus all the work that I've been doing, that was leading me up to, okay, I'm ready to do this for a living. And I went to grad school at 27. Um, I owned a home. And um, so I took a roommate and I took out student loans and I went full time so that I could just knock that out because I knew where I wanted to be. Um, And then I, you know, I think a lot of therapists start general like I did, which is backwards. You would think that you would start with one thing and get good at it and then add. But we all come out of school like, oh, I do this and I do that and I do this and the anxiety and depression and da, 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 right? And I did that too. And sometimes I cringe when I think that I was 29, I was like 31 years old, not married, no kids, and um, was doing couples counseling. <laughs> <laughs> what I know now is like, oh my God. And I was trying to help people who were having, who were having marital issues because of parenting. And I had no business doing that work at that time in my life. I didn't do any harm, but I certainly was not anywhere as effective as I am now at almost 45 with, you know, 17 years with my spouse and two kids. Like it's a day. Right. Yeah. 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 You have a different skill set. It's like, 
it's like the 13 year old life coach, right? It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, let me take some advice from you who haven't dealt with the pressures of owning a house or dealing with family and dealing with friends. Um, Adam wrote, do you think that the maturation of the executive decision making ability of your character, uh, that was, oh, do you think that was the maturation of your executive decision making ability of your character it usually happens for females between 19 and 21? Uh, it, that could have been, but I still think that it's, it really was, I was a late bloomer. And so I think that was my wake up was maybe part of that, but mm-hmm. you know, like we were saying that, that 180 was like, I'm traveling the world and don't tell me not to. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, being able to come back and still be authentic and true to myself without having to do such dramatic things to right. prove to right. myself and to other people, mm-hmm. that was the, the probably the maturation process mm-hmm. more, more so than I get that. And so when, you know, you said you started doing therapy yourself, did you find a specific form of therapy was the, the best for you? I mean, obviously there's art therapy and, you know, different types of whether it's hypnosis or, you know, different forms of counseling or direction. Did you find there was a specific one that was really helpful for you? You know, what was the most helpful for me was actually just the relationship that I had with her. Mm. It was a mother figure that I didn't have. She was sick. I'm almost getting teary just thinking about it. That's crazy. Mm. He was just affirming to me and she validated me and she saw me and she, um, she gave that to me that I didn't have my whole life. And so it wasn't necessarily cognitive behavioral therapy or mm-hmm. narrative therapy. It was just somebody on my side. Yeah. That was really what transformed me. And that's why I love as a therapist. Um, the work that I do is about the relationship. And so this is what I give my clients. I show up real. I'm not just sitting in the chair pretending to be the perfect therapist who gets, who never makes a mistake. Right. Um, that's not me. And I share my journey as I do now here with you. I share that and always have as a therapist, if it's in the benefit of the client at the time. Right. Um, so to me, it's, it's there's a lot of healing in that in that close contact and in learning to have an authentic relationship with somebody where you can let your guard down and you're seen if you've never experienced that in your life. I think that that's an excellent way of putting it because I think that's what happened. Um, and Stacy is in the green room here. She's also a trained therapist, and she said her first supervisor said the relationship is the cure, and and I think that you know, that's, that's what we're all talking about. That's what, you know, the big hot button in live streaming and social media and stuff is being authentic and people caring. And I believe I've always been one that, that I have my heart on my sleeve. Everybody knows how I feel. Right. And that's why it was, uh, I was vulnerable, so vulnerable that people could take advantage. And some people could say the right things at the, what, what, would be the right time or really the wrong time. Right. And, and hurt me and emotionally hurt me. But, having somebody, what you were just saying about the therapist, she got you. She understood who you were. She saw you. She respected you. She felt you. She was willing to to be tough with you and guide you. And that is worth its weight in gold. I mean, that, that piece, like you said, it brought you to tears because that relationship is the world. That's, that's what means things that that's what truly means something because that's an authentic connection, heart to heart connection. And it's hard for therapists. I mean, as a therapist, do you feel like it's challenging to or not to get involved. Most of them, you know, aren't you trained to, mm, 
you know? Yeah. It's called detached caring. But when I'm in the moment with you, I'm there. I cry with my clients when they're emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes during the month more than others. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was pregnant, oh my God, I was cried a lot, but you know, I'm human and they want that contact. And most of my clients appreciate it when I'm right there with them, but I'm able to leave. (laughs) Hi, Scott Frederick. When I, um, when I leave for the day, I don't carry it with me. I actually feel completely light because Mm -hmm. I feel like my job has been done. I feel fortified and that I've helped somebody. And the, the most unexpected gift of being a therapist and listening to story after story after story has continued to be healing for me. And that I just know that I'm normal because I, if I've, if you're, I hear what everybody worries about and wonders about and struggles with, and it's the same for me. And so knowing that being privy to and having access to that of other people has helped me know there is nothing that I have ever wondered or worried or thought about that someone else hasn't. (laughs) And so I just leave feeling like I've done my, my work and I don't feel bogged down by that. That's awesome that you feel like the tools that you've been given have allowed you to guide them in the right direction, which gives you that whole new freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that, that's awesome. It's, I mean, I feel like it's the best job in the world. I just feel like it doesn't get any better than that for somebody who has um, struggled with growing up and not having parents there who got you um, or having narcissistic parents. Um, we crave authenticity, mm-hmm. crave it. Yeah. And I get to go to work every day and have deep, meaningful, authentic conversations with people who trust me enough to let them in and to like be, you know, temporarily, you know, scaffolding for them um, mm-hmm. while they're building up their own strength. And um, it's like, I'm so blessed. That is really powerful. I have two clients of mine I'm going to connect you with that have that aren't not for therapy, but are great um, direct relations for you. I think one of them is a divorce coach. And I know you try and help people stay together, but sometimes if they don't, she's got that secondary, that might be a great support system for you. And, and another one actually helps people that have gone through some sexual traumas and dramas and stuff like that. So I think those are great connectors when you have other people too, that you have in your support community that you can trust and, and not saying that you can't handle those things yourself, but it's always nice to have a, um, you know, other people that are in that same zone. Would you agree? Do you agree with that? That it's nice to have people in your community that you can trust? Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, until I took my business online, I was mostly friends with all therapists because that was really what I, what I connected with. Well, now I actually have entrepreneurs as my friends too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, I like to have people in my circle who are in, who are passionate about the same things and curious about the same things and have um, similar drive to make a difference and help people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just continue to need that. I just continue to need authenticity. And I know when somebody's not being that with me, Right. I can sniff it out because I've been there. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I don't try to change them, but I just know that they're not my people and that's right. fine. Right. And maybe sometimes you can help sift through it and help them get to that place, right? Where they're, a- they're able to actually be authentic with you. Cause I, I, I can see invite it. all huh? I can do is invite it from mm-hmm. them. And if they don't t- accept the invitation, then it's, that's their, it's not my problem. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, Marcia said, what a beautiful gift, uh, Hillary, the bond that you have with each other. She thinks is amazing. And Adam said, it's so refreshing to hear a therapist state that learning to create relationships is therapeutic, not loving yourself 
but learning to express and share love appears to be the healing bomb instead of focusing on self-love. But, and that's totally true. I think that it's, um, I think they're parallel processes. I think that you learn to love yourself more in relationship with someone else. Mm. You cannot do your own self love work. If you're, Mm. if you're isolating, because There's more opportunity to practice when you're in a relationship, <laughs> you know, and they, you know, they, uh, just like with my therapist, it was in that safety of uh, um, unconditional love and acceptance yeah. that I felt safe enough to grow. Right. Uh, that's what we do in our loving relationships. I, I call marriage or long-term relationships that are committed like a rock tumbler. And uh-huh. I didn't know what that was until I had kids, you know, we put in the science kit and it had a rock tumbler in it and you uh-huh. put Two um, beat up, you know, messy, ugly rocks in, and then it goes through this process, and at the end, it they they come out all grinded out and polished, and that to me is what relationships do for us. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful way of describing it because that's exactly what does happen. We we clash up again, so we round off those edges. It starts getting polished up, and it takes a little time, but that, that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. and a lot of people want to escape when it gets painful. They don't want to deal with, they don't want to go do the work because it's too, it's hard and it is hard. Be, becoming mature and really knowing who you are is hard. It's, it's not simple. It's not like we just, you know, one day do the Idrin Magini blink and all of a sudden, Oh, I'm all good now. <laughs> you know, I'm, I accept myself. I accept the world. I look at the bright side of the world. You know, it just doesn't really happen. Um, but so there are some people that have shared, uh, you know, different pieces in here about struggle, the struggles that are going through depression or discouragement. You know, what advice would you give, uh, for people who are struggling right now, whether it's, you know, feeling that bully in their head where people are telling them they're not good enough or smart enough. They're feeling like they are the common denominator. They're feeling lost and alone. What advice would you give them? I would say don't isolate. I would say if you don't have somebody in your life um, that can, that you can confide in and, and talk to, then you've got to get somebody like me on your team. Mm-hmm. You need a pit crew. You need to have the people that you can go to that will support you. Um, and sometimes that's too heavy for friends mm-hmm. and you need to invest in your own well being. And I mean, there's nothing more important than your health. And that includes your mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm. And so if you had cancer, you would go to the doctor. And if you had a toothache, you would go to the doctor. So I would say, find somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with that you can let it all hang out. Right. right? And then let them help you because you cannot do it by yourself. If you could, you would have already. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And if, a- even if you know what you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. you're not doing it. And right. you need somebody to help push you. Well, you know, and you have, we asked you for some of your favorite quotes and you gave us a quote that was uh, really cool. And I think Randall's going to put it up really quick. And it was stop lying. Um, uh, stop lying to make others happy. It's knowing your truth that makes them happy. And that is a quote that you created. You know, it's one of your own personal quotes. And so tell us where that came from. And, and like, was it a personal, you know, is that that internal personal conviction that came up to create that? Actually, that's uh, what my book is going to be about. Oh, okay. So it's, um, so I, I, I talk about it in terms of people pleasing. You know, the, the clinical term would be codependence to the extreme, right? 
but really we don't, I don't want to diagnose people and that I don't want to make people sound like there's something really wrong with them. Mm-hmm. I would rather just focus on the behavior. Mm-hmm. And so people who are really stuck in this people pleasing mode, which is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And now I know it from both sides because I'm married to somebody who trends to, to be that way. It's about avoiding conflict, about wanting to be liked about not wanting to be rejected or hurt, get your feelings hurt or be judged. So you just avoid and Mm -hmm. evade and you tell people what you think they want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. um, And that's lying. If you are not telling your truth, not just the truth, but your truth, which Mm -hmm. is what you think and feel and need and want and what your opinions are, then you're lying. And we do that by acquiescing, by capitulating, by omitting, withholding, glossing over, minimizing, distracting, right? We say that we'll do something even if we don't really want to. And then we kind of become hard to find when it comes time to do that thing where we do it and we do it with resentment. And the other people have no idea this is happening. Mm -hmm. So that actually came from a couple experiences where I was on the receiving end of somebody doing that to me. And I felt lied to. I don't want to be lied to. If you can't afford to buy me a gift, then don't buy me one. Right. For that. And if you can't do me a favor that I ask you to do, I'm expecting you to say, no, don't lie to me to make me happy. What makes me happy is knowing what you really want. I want to know you. Right. Right. That's where that came from. Can you tell I'm a little passionate about that? I can see that. I love that passion. Uh, you know, it's funny though, for those of you who are listening to, on the podcast, you've got to check out episode 14 and watch her. Cause first of all, while she's getting passionate like that, her little dimple is getting more and more intense. So as much as she wants to sound like she's tough, her, her, she's so cute. Like her, her face just gets cuter and cuter. So you definitely, you know, want to check that out. But I love that. I love the passion that you, you know, and the conviction because that's, that's where people can start to feel hope too. And, and we're going to talk about how they can get in touch with you and stuff. Cause do you do sessions, um, you know, via Skype and stuff as well? They don't have to actually be in the Denver area, right? They can actually reach out to you in other ways. Yeah, that's right. So I have a lot of different things going on right now. I'm actually in flux trying to figure out how to narrow down so I don't have so much going on, but I have some DIY classes, online courses. Um, so if you don't want to work with me one-on-one, you can do that. I've got, um, I do, thing is lying to yourself. And yeah, that's a good comment, Jenny. Um, so I have the DIY classes. I do work with people privately one-on-one. You can do Skype sessions. You can do VIP day. You can come visit me here and knock it all out in six hours. Um, and then I do retreats and groups as well. Okay. So we and we'll give you guys some information on how to reach her and, and get in contact with that stuff in a little bit. But you you had just talked about your book, you know, and and I, I know that it's coming out in the future. And you and I had some, you know, a little bit of chat back and forth, you know, um about not necessarily wanting to go into all the details of the fact that you're writing a book, but the fact that you feel compelled to write it. And you know, you have some big players that are looking at publishing your book. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because as you know, I just finished um my a rewrite of my book and I'm trying to decide, am I going to self-publish again? Am I going to go outside? So I'd love to hear what you're doing and let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So I, um, I went to a writer's retreat a couple years ago and it was the, was a huge, like I spent $8,000 to go to this retreat for five days. Right. And, um, the woman that hosted it said she loved my project. She loved my idea and I should come. It's not premature. Cause I told her, nobody knows me. This was before I was on social media. 
And when I got there, she was like, I can't help you. You don't have a platform. <laughs> so that was like, oh my God. What? Are you kidding? No, not kidding. Not kidding. So that is what kind of started this whole me getting on social media and trying to grow my, my, my visibility. Uh. Periscope came along and it lit my fire. Um, but the book, um, I've been wanting to write it for such a long time. And now that I do have a platform and I'm, I just recorded on the Steve Harvey show, it's going to air at the end of May. I've been, you know, working and working and working so hard to get my message out there that luckily one of the largest nonfiction agents in the world who publishes Tony Robbins and Dr. Phil, the agency has agreed to take my book. Um, we're still tweaking the proposal so that it's perfection when they shop it to the publishers, but I'm, I'm, Fingers crossed that I'll have a book deal by the end of the year. Uh, congratulations. I paid to write the book. What I don't know. I, I said, then I can get paid to write the book. Um, so you haven't written it yet? No. I mean, I, it's like, I'm dying to start writing the book. I'm like, can they hurry up? Because I really just want to start writing it. But um, we're tweaking the table of contents because they know, they know what people want to buy. I'm going to let them do their thing and I can write anything. As long as I don't have to give up my main concepts, I can do whatever it is that they tell me I'm supposed to do to make it a good, a bestseller. <laughs> I, will, I will defer to the experts in that area. Um, I don't think that I ever would self-publish. I don't think that I have the patience to sit down and write something that I don't know would be, would circulate. Mm. And I think that I'm a little bit ADD and I just don't, I think it's going to be hard for me to write it. But if, if I've got the money in hand, then I know I have to. That is funny. I mean, everybody has their the, a different thing, right? Like I could not write a book that somebody gave me the chapters they have to write. I mean, mine are just like, this is me. Like I, on the last time when I went away, cause I go away once a quarter, you know, and I actually wrote, I think, what was it? 20, 20 or 30,000 words, you know, in four days. Like I just write, I just type in that, you know, and then I kind of move things around and stuff like that. So anyway, so everybody has a different style, right? Of how they put things together. And Jenny, I love it. <laughs> Jenny says, wow, $8,000 to get flipped off. <laughs> that was an expensive lesson. Yeah, and, you I've know, learned a lot of those in the last few years growing uh, my business online. I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to invest in myself, but I've definitely not always, didn't always work out. But hey, look where I am now, right? Absolutely. Well, and the fact that... And the fact is, is that it's a journey. The yeah. journey is what, I mean, I always tell people that there's, there's money in your pain. I mean, whatever challenges and trials you went through, that can be the next book. That can be the next catalyst to something else, to something different. So I, you know, it's never really a waste of money unless you just sulk and whine about it. You can figure out. Was how like, that is a small car, Hillary. True. <laughs> <laughs> and he... Yeah, when I came home after hearing all of that, man, he was not happy. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Like you said, it's a great, but it's a great platform. It might even be something that ties into your other book. Like, you know, I wasn't, I went from being a people pleaser, then I went, uh, you know, I did this thing and, and, you know, whatever, but you can utilize it to your own benefit. And it sounds like you've got some really great stories in there. Um, 
And yeah, Jenny says it's in your head and not on paper yet. And advance would be good. Um, and advance would be your pain point. So <laughs> you'd feel the pressure to go get it done. So, you know, there is, there's so many different things, but you know, as we kind of transition into what's going on now, we talked about your life. We talked about the challenges about you not feeling good enough, strong enough and smart enough. We talked about your rebellious stage. We talked about, you know, going through all these things, but now you, you've got, you know, a book that you want it to come out. You also have, you know, um, hot healthy and happily ever after. Right. So, um, so tell us about that. So what is it? You're not just doing counseling on there. This is where people can kind of connect with you and do some of those things that you're, you're trying to teach people how to be the best them they can be. Right. Yeah, I'm really on a mission to make relationship education mainstream. Mm. And I mean, we aren't taught these things and then we expect our relationships to go well. Mm-hmm. And so it's, what are you bringing into the relationship? So it's really important for, I mean, one of the modules in hot, healthy and happily ever after is called awareness and accountability. Mm-hmm. And I really walk us through like, what are you bringing here? What is, right. you got to hold yourself accountable and quit blaming your partner. Right. So it's hot, healthy and happy is my program for women. It's about confidence, about speaking up for yourself. Um, I mean, it could be for anybody, but I just focus on women because that's what I am. Mm-hmm. But but hot, healthy, happily ever after is is really education about how to keep your love love alive for the long term. It's communication, it's sex and intimacy, it's boundaries, it's um, it's so many things in uh, seven weeks. And so it's a live course that they're doing like via live, you know, like a live platform. It's a live or? course, and now it's a virtual um, video class. Okay. Yeah. So it's an evergreen video class they can take at any time. Anytime. Gotcha. Okay. And so you guys can get that on her website, which we'll put her social media card up in a little bit where it's got all of her handles, her website address. So you can take a screenshot of that and you guys will be able to connect. Plus it's going to be in the show notes, which will, you know, give all the additional viewers and the people on YouTube and stuff. But those of you guys who have downloaded the podcast, they'll be in the show notes as well on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher. So you can still have access to the information there. But again, I still recommend that you guys come check out episode 14 of Vicky Fetch Live, Evict the in Your Head with Ms. Hillary Silver. Okay. So as we, we talk about that, you mentioned that you're going to be on Steve Harvey. So first of all, kudos to you. Congratulations. How did you secure that? What happened there? Do, were you out promoting yourself? Did a follower find you? What happened? Um, well, so they, they have um, different agencies that they work with. Mm-hmm. And so I was approached last year um, by this company who wanted to partner with me to grow my online brand and media, you know, just to really explode me. They take people like me who are credentialed and who have a platform and um, grow us because mm-hmm. they're the ones with all the connections. So I signed on with them and that's where it all happened. Uh, And I feel really, really fortunate. I mean, the company that I'm working with is, um, you know, some of, some of the people that we all know. Um, and I think, I mean, they, I I don't think that I'm saying anything that I shouldn't say because I've seen videos where they're, they're talking about it too. So Grant Cardone is one of the clients of the same company now that I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've really in the last five years made him the media mogul that he is. He was already a real estate mogul. But now he's the media mogul that he is because of the company that we are both now working with. Gotcha. And they sought me out and found me. And, um, and I am blessed. I feel like really fortunate. Did they find you because you were live streaming now or did someone else recommend you? I think they found me because of my online presence. And a big part of that is live streaming because 
you know, they feel you in video. I totally advocate not editing your videos, you know, like doing the whole fancy schmancy YouTube videos. I mean, those are good too, but I love the live streaming because it's just real. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Raw and real, right? It's just who we are. And, and that's, you know, getting on every day and just, just say, Hey, this is who we are, right? This is who, you know, this is who Hillary Silver is. I'm just gonna, I'm coming to you live right now, sharing my heart. Maybe you're crying, maybe you're happy, maybe you're sad, but you're delivering value. So, yep. Okay. So let's see. I know that, um, you know, other places like now I'm speaking as a matter of fact, we have the little, um, the little flyer here is I'm speaking at social media day, Denver, and you are in Denver. And so if you guys are not going already, go to socialmediadaydenver.com. Make sure you get your tickets. You can save $10 by using the code Vicky on your checkout. But if you're in the Denver area or if you're looking to level up your business, like Hillary was saying, you know, she did not, she doesn't hesitate to invest in her business. This ticket is not $8,000. So just so you know, and nobody's going to flip you off. <laughs> We're going to deliver some great value about live streaming, about social media, about building a business and a brand. So, you know, come and connect. Even if you guys are looking to just build a tribe and a community of people that really care about you. I mean, I've, I've developed some amazing friendships here and we're going to have Kim Garst there, Joel Calm, myself, Aaron Sell, um, uh, Mia Voss, Courtney Kramer. It is going to be a madhouse of fun and, and education. And plus we have Joel's shenanigans at night. And if you guys <laughs> don't know what Joe's shenanigans is about, it's crazy. So I hope that you're going to be there because I really want to meet you in person for sure. There. I'm manning the live streaming booth. So oh. I, will be, I will be, um, I will be hosting live street, the live stream component. I love um, it. And interviewing people. I, I love it. That. Yeah, it'll be fun. Oh my gosh. We'll see that you guys and definitely come. So you get to see she and I meeting for the first time. Cause that is going to be epic too. Yep. Now, how tall are you, Hillary? Almost five two. Okay. But I'll wear heels probably, so I'll look at least five two. And I'm six foot, so <laughs> really? Oh my god. That is hilarious. We'll be frickin' frack. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if I wear heels too, that I'll be almost a foot taller than you. But yes, it'll be hilarious, right? We'll definitely have to live stream that. And uh Stacy's very short as well. I don't know. Stacy, how tall are you? Four, five, four, five, two, five foot? I don't know, four eleven? No. <laughs> I would gladly take five four. Oh, she's five four. Yeah. Well, you know, we all have that different that different skill set or that different piece, you know, things that affect us. Um, okay. So, you know, we were talking a little bit about your services and what you provide. So let's tell them as they can go, cause it's Hillary, isn't it? Hillarysilver.com, yep. correct? And that's yep. Hillary with one L H I L A R Y S I L V E R.com. Yep. And she does have an arsenal of stuff there. Like she was telling you about the different courses and stuff she's offering. She also has her podcast there. So you can go check those out. You can go, um, you know, connect with some of the other content and value. And then in a, in a couple of minutes, we're actually going to be putting up your, um, your social media card. So what is your favorite platform though, for people to follow you on Hillary? I'm really on Facebook now. I really, um, I started with Periscope live streaming every single day for like nine months straight. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then, you know, just had went through some growing pains and I just couldn't, I couldn't stick it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched over to Facebook. And, um, so I do hot, healthy, happy on Wednesdays on my, on my business page. Um, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific. And then I have a Facebook group, which is hot, healthy, happily ever after. And that's where we actually really get pretty honest about the ups and downs in love, sex and marriage. And, um, so it's a really non-judgmental, supportive place for people to talk about things like, um, 
you know, I don't even want to give it up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Trying to make it G, but I don't know if I can. (laughs) I know I can see you were struggling with what you were going to say there. So for those of you who don't need the G rating, just use your mind. You guys can go ahead and imagine that what, what she's talking about, but it sounds like it's a really great supportive community. And you know, the, the fact is, is, you know, even though it's a G rated show, I've said before on the show that sex is not something that we need to um, hide from, right? And as a Christian myself, I find that a lot of people are afraid. They're afraid to talk about sex. They're afraid to talk about things. And so they never learn. They don't understand if something is going on in the bedroom or they're having trouble with the husband or a spouse or, you know, something's going on. You need to be able to talk. Now, I'm not talking about airing your dirty laundry. That's completely different. Blasting a Facebook post out to the entire world is not trying to get help for what's happening. That's humiliating to other people or just looking for attention. What Hillary's talking about is having a safe, supportive environment where, you know, that, that people are actually trying to help each other. Um, I, I imagine with the good and the bad and, you know, trying to, to create a place that's safe because we need safe places. If you've been conditioned to believe again that you're, there's a bully in your head where you're not good enough, smart enough, or strong enough, you're not going to ask people if you're, you know, you're struggling in the bedroom. I mean, that's, that's private. That's, mm-mm, we don't talk about that. And you can be miserable when something simple could change your life, but, You've just never experienced that before. You've never experienced a safe place. And so that's one of the things I, like I said, even just looking at you that people get to see you, Hillary. Yeah. So I show, I show up there on Fridays every week and I have a, um, again, same time Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific. Mm -hmm. And I have a, my video, my show is called in session. And so I just literally take some of the topics that are coming up that week in the group Mm -hmm. and address them, Mm -hmm. answer questions. Um, and, and I think I'm going to be taking that to a private membership actually off of Facebook mm. because people are worried about, you know, being in them. It just does. It's, it's not a secret. It's just right. private. Right. So, you know, if it's a private community off of Facebook, mm-hmm. then it's totally secure. And, and so I'm thinking about putting that together, actually. One more gotcha. thing. Well, there you go. She's adding more, uh, more, right. More cool things to her marketplace for sure. Um, you know, and then we have, we usually, as we're going to start wrapping up the show here, you know, that we have, you had another graphic. Um, we always ask you what your favorite one is. And then this one was protection prevents connection. I think Randall's going to put that up for you, but I would love to know, you know, I, I think I know what that means is that really when people try and guard themselves amongst other people, then they don't get to connect. And I, like I said, for me, um, I call those intimacy bubbles. And, and sometimes we put up this iron gate. We don't let people anywhere in because we're afraid. But what, what did that mean for you? You know, where, when you say that as a quote, what does that mean? And, and how can people guard themselves and make sure to let that guard down so they can really be authentic with others? Yeah, I think that we all get in pre- protection mode. We all do. We all have our ways of protecting. Um, we protect ourselves from our own feelings by numbing out with food or substances. We protect ourselves from getting hurt by other people by, you know, holding them at a distance or being jerky or just having behavior that gets in the way. You know, there's, if we don't, if we aren't aware of what that, that is, then it's going to get in the way. And it's usually in the way of something that, what it is that we really want. We actually want that connection, but we're not letting ourselves have it because it's too scary. So um, I I like just saying that because it's real catchy and it it gets us thinking. And anytime that um, you're having a relational issue with somebody, 
ask yourself, what am I doing to prevent that, that connection? Is it me or may, is it them? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's both. It's just, we it's that that's our natural defense mechanisms. Right. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you're absolutely right. So, you know, as we do wrap this up, what, what, is there anything that you wanted to share with everybody and let them know something maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about today or something that's really important or something's on your heart? I don't know. We kind of covered a lot. (laughs) We do. We do tend to do that. Yeah. I would just say there's no shame in having relationship struggles, right? Long-term relationship is hard work, right? It's hard work and it's supposed to be. And if you don't know what's going on, you can't fix it. And so educate yourselves about what you need to do to make it better and educate yourselves about your specific relationship stuff. What are you doing? What is your partner doing? And what are you doing together? Um, and learn it so that you can master it. And that's how you can stay together for the long term. And it, and don't just settle, make it great. Mm-hmm. So, um, Keep the love and passion alive for the long term. I love that part. You know, don't just settle. I always tell people that, you know, that certainly aren't in relationships. Don't settle. Don't settle because when you're lonely, that's, that's that inclination, right? Oh, somebody's going to touch me. Oh, you know, don't settle. And I, I love that you're saying that. Don't settle. Just make sure, you know, you look for help. Don't be embarrassed. And, and again, that's one of the things I really want to get across. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed if you need therapy. Don't be therapy doesn't mean you're broken. You know, it's, you're not broken just because you need a two up or you need to adjust course or you need to learn something new that doesn't make you broken and and so don't hide behind shame because that's another one of the bullies in your head is the shame of of correction the shame of people knowing that you're not perfect let's face it you're not perfect none of us are perfect you know we have struggles we have pain we yell sometimes we're sarcastic inappropriately we don't treat our kids perfectly we're not perfect so don't hide behind the pain of perfectionism because it's not going to serve you well. It doesn't support you as a person in a, and in your growth. So find someone like Hillary. Go, go check out her courses and classes. Find a way to be the best you that you can be. It's not about comparing yourself to other people. Be the best you you can be. Um, you know, would you say that that, would you agree with that, Hillary, that that's where it's all about? Get rid of the shame. Yeah, totally. I, and, um, you know, that's why I created the online courses for people who just can't get past that, but mm-hmm. still need the help. Nobody will know that you bought a 97 or a $200 program mm-hmm. about sex or intimacy or how to get past your conflict mm-hmm. um, to create connection. It's that's for those people that just can't get past that. There's still resources available. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Yeah. So, I mean, I just feel like we are human and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to hurt each other and we're going to get it wrong. Even those of us who know what we're supposed to do doesn't mean that we always get it right either. Right. Like I still, my husband's be like, Hillary, shouldn't you be knowing this better? You know, right? No, yeah, I, probably, but I don't. So I do when I'm talking to other people, but when it's me, the whole introspective thing doesn't work as well. The filter is a little dirtier than it is when we're doing something. That's right. That's right. I'm totally in my space right now. No, I'm not going to get it right. Yeah, uh, I love it. Well, it's, and it's completely true. You know, Adam's saying, wait, you're saying I'm not perfect. Adam, newsflash. No, you are not. I asked your wife and she said, N-O, you are not perfect, but you are fabulous. She did say that. Not, not perfect, but definitely fabulous. So guys, as we wrap up, I want to remind you guys a couple of things and make sure you guys know that Archon Mounts is one of our sponsors here. They are amazing. And like Hillary's talking about, 
you know, her live streaming. I live stream on both Facebook Live and Periscope every day at the same time. And um, uh, typically at six o'clock, but I do a dual broadcast every day so I can actually maximize the time with that audience. So, uh, you know, just letting you guys know and reminding you that they have some great gear. You can, you get 20% off if you use the code FITCHSLAP, which is from my other podcast, He Said, Red Said, which we'll talk about in a minute, but arcon.com, A-R-K-O-N.com. I use the TW Broadcaster for the dual streaming. And then I use that, the one that's in the picture there, the RVTRIXL or whatever it is that, uh, for, I always have that in my purse when people are goes, Oh my gosh, girl, you are always prepared. Well, yes, I am. I was a Girl Scout. You can be prepared to, to help, help rock your business and build your business and your brand. So I highly recommend that. Um, uh, we also next week we have Vicky Fitch Live, a fresh perspective. And I have Shelly Harrison as my guest on there. Shelly is from Luminary Leaders. She, uh, has a speaking agency and she books people as speakers um, all around. And she is an all-around amazing lady. You guys are going to get a lot from her. She's also bringing a special cameo appearance on from someone else that's going to be joining us. Uh, I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it. If you've ever thought about being a speaker, if you want, you wanted to build your business and brand through speaking, speaking engagements and getting paid to speak, you definitely want to tune in and check that out, which I know that's a big a big drive for many, many people. Um, I also am still on the hunt for heel, though we're really paring it down and I'm, I'm cutting these off. By the end of the month, this is where by the end of June, we're going to be, um, or I mean, by the end of May, we're going to make our decision so we can announce in June uh, who the new he is. So if you guys are still interested, you can go to he said red said.com, click the link and apply to be my new he. Um, we also uh, have, I'm going to put up Hillary's card, but I want to know if there's, you know, we have a couple more minutes left. I didn't see any additional uh, questions. Jenny said she loves my office. I'm awesomely organized. Thank you, Jenny. We always love to be acknowledged, right? Um, Hillary's card is up there. Um, and so, you know, do you guys, if you guys have a question, you can pop in there or Hillary, do you have anything that you want to share with them about that card or where you well, want to Well, yeah, I actually forgot to update you. I changed my Facebook page to just Hillary Silver. So it's... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's still Ask Hillary Silver on Twitter and on Periscope. Okay. And let's see, on everywhere else. But Facebook is just Hillary Silver. Okay. Well, go to facebook.com slash Hillary Silver. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I apologize that that wasn't quite updated, but we will try and tag that in the show notes to make sure you guys know that you can go to uh, Hillary Silver, you know, and the other ones are asked Hillary Silver, but the card will be updated. Um, so that is, you know, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is go ahead and tell you guys, for those of you who are downloading this podcast, and this is maybe your first time here, I'm going to introduce myself really quick. Guys, my name is Vicki Fitch. I am a direct sales expert. I've been in the industry 20 years, top 10 sales and recruiting internationally for more than a decade. I've also built and sold four companies. I'm an author, a speaker, and an international business consultant helping you get outside the 5,000 to turn your passion into your profits. If you guys need a free consultation, if you want to level up your business and you're looking for a business coach or someone that can help you to maybe change what you're doing, level it up, grow it. Maybe you want to sell it. I don't know what you want to do. Or maybe maybe you're not in the right career and you need to adjust course. I'd love to help you out with that. Go to vickifitch.com forward slash 20. That's V-I-C-K-I-F as in Frank, I-T-C-H dot com forward slash 20. I'll do a free consultation for you. And again, go to the freebies page, join the entrepreneurial rock stars and stay connected with me. I do live stream every day, typically at six o'clock on both Facebook live as well as Periscope. And I appreciate each and every one of you. And I want to remind you like I always do to dream it, believe it and achieve it. Ciao.